You're listening to He Is Here, a sermon series about God's faithfulness. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. see you tonight. Good to see you today, this morning. Good to see you. Hey, look at the person sitting next to you and say thank you. Yeah, yeah. Tell them thank you for not making a big deal about the fact you're sitting beside them. You know, you're beautiful. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews, one of the pastors here at Elevate Church. And didn't the worship team do a great job there? That was beautiful, wasn't it? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, really, it, it really was a, a, a good thing. Now, before we get to the message, let me make just one announcement. One announcement. Uh, it's about a great opportunity for you to get involved in an outreach that we've got going right here for our community. We are actually collecting new children's gloves that we want to distribute to children right here in Vicksburg, Mississippi. I think we're calling it the gift of gloves, but we got love kind of highlighted there. Uh, So it's the gift of gloves. And so what we're asking you to do is next time you're out shopping, if you'll stop and just pick up one or two, maybe three or four or 20 uh, pair of gloves and then bring them here to the church. There's a table that is set up in the foyer there. And again, we're going to distribute that to children right here in our community. We're going to be taking up gloves until December 16th. So help us out with that. It's a real easy way for you to participate in a local outreach, and I'm excited about that. So I don't know if you have really looked around, but uh, it really is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It really is even beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, not because of the temperature, okay? Uh, it's 75 degrees out there, uh, so not because of the temperature, but it really is still beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. If you go shopping, everything seems to be so tense, right? Everybody's so frustrated. People have attitudes. The stores are busy. The lines are long. There's Christmas decor everywhere, so again, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It's beginning to feel uh, a lot like Christmas. And so we're starting a brand new series this week, and it's helping us work towards Christmas. And I'm super excited about that. And as we start today, uh, let me just tell you, I'm a child of the 80s. I was born in 1981. uh, So I'm getting old. My 20-year high school reunion is coming up. Everybody say, oh my goodness. I look so good for being so old, right? I know, that's okay. But anyway, so my 20-year reunion is coming up. But I remember uh, the 80s, man, they were a great decade. The 80s, man, we, we can thank the 80s for a lot of great things like the slap bracelet. Anybody, did you ever have a slap bracelet coming up? Man, I remember the first time I saw a slap bracelet, I, was, I blew my mind, man. I was like, that's like magic. What kind of witchcraft is that? You know, it's like this hard thing. And then, you, and then I was like, do it again, man. I loved the slap bracelet. Another thing we can thank the 80s for is the California raisins, man. Figurines like that. Anybody have some California raisins? Yeah. Oh, I had it through the grapevine. Y'all ain't know I can sing like that. Trying to sing with the worship team, they won't let me. Uh, But anyway, so I I had some of those. I had some California raisins in. We can thank the 80s for the micro machines. Micro machines were like Hot Wheels, except for they were much smaller. And so it made it much more dangerous if you're walking in your room at night. You know, you would step on those things. It would really hurt. Anybody have any micro machines? Those really were my favorites. You know, we, we can thank the 80s for a lot of those things. But the 80s also 
brought us a book series. A book series that, in my opinion, is the best book series that has ever been created. And I know that some of y'all, when I say this, you're going to feel the same way. But the book series was Where's Waldo? Anybody, did you just love Where's Waldo? Anybody know what I'm talking about? No, some of y'all are like, those aren't books that you read, Robert. Yes, they were. They were books that I read, you know. I didn't need the cliff notes for those, you know. And so, I mean, but I loved, I loved the Where's Waldo books. What would happen is you would open up that book and it would turn to some scene. And it might be a, a snow scene, a beach scene, a water scene. And there would be people wearing red, white, and blue. And the whole purpose was that you had to find Waldo, you had to find Waldo. They were great books, books that taught us about being observant and being aware of your surroundings. They just don't make books like that anymore. Just great, great, great books. But I remember sometimes I would open up that book and I'd be looking for Waldo and I'd think I'd found him. I'd think I'd found him. I'd be like, there he is. And then I'd look a little closer and it wouldn't be Waldo. It wouldn't be Waldo. It'd be somebody that looked like Waldo. Of course, they were wearing the same clothes, but it wasn't Waldo, so I would look and I would look and I would look and I would look and I would look sometimes and I would wonder, where is he? Where in the world is Waldo? There were honestly times that I couldn't find Waldo because there was so much other stuff going on in the picture and all of that other stuff was really trying to distract you from where Waldo was. Well, I think there are times in our life where we kind of feel like that about God. I mean, sometimes in life there are so many things that are going on in our life. There are so many things that are attempting to distract us. And honestly, if we were just to, to really, really be honest, we'd have to admit that there are times that we look around and we just wonder, where in the world is God? Have you ever kind of thought that? Where are you, God? But what I want you to know today and what I hope this series teaches you is that no matter where you are, no matter what you are going through, God is there. Amen? God is here and so whatever you're going through you need to understand again God is with you and it's the Christmas season it's the time that we celebrate the birth of Christ and here's what the Bible says about Jesus in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 it says this the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel which means what God with us folks God is with us he is here and today I want to talk to you about a message titled he is here with us in the valley he is here in the valley see I think it's easy for us to think that God is with us and that he is here when things are good I mean when you're living your life on a mountaintop and everything's going great everything's going going fine you get the raise it's easy to see that God is is with you when you when you just feel blessed it's easy to see that God is with you when your baby sleeps through the night for the first time it's easy to see that God is with you when when your kids are out of diapers and I don't mean that they're like out of diapers like you ran out I mean when they're out of diapers and finally potty trains you know what I'm saying it's easy to say man God is with us we are blessed and highly favored. He's, he's good. It's easy to feel and sense the presence of God when things are going well. But it's sometimes difficult to feel and sense the presence of God when you're in the valley, when things aren't going the way that you want them to go. When you get the bad news, when you're hurting, when, when you feel alone, when you are battling depression, when you're afraid, it's in those moments that we oftentimes wonder where are you, 
God. Where are you? We look around and wonder, where are you? See, I've learned that life isn't just filled with mountaintop experiences. There are plenty of valley experiences. There are plenty of valley experiences. And and, and valley experiences, that's where life is challenging. That's where you and I fight battles. It's where we struggle. And sometimes we find ourselves in battles as a result of our own uh, actions. Sometimes we find ourselves in valleys through no fault of our own. Sometimes we find ourselves in valleys because of the actions of others. And sometimes we find ourselves in valleys because of God's own directing. But the valley, the valley is where we really get to know God. The valley is where we get to know the real character and the real nature of God. See, see how many of y'all got friends today? You think you got friends? You got friends? A couple of y'all are like, oh, I got no friends. You're probably right. You know? You know how you tell who your real friends are? You ask them to move. Right? If your friends don't show up and help you move, you know what? They ain't your friends. <laughs> They're not your friends, seriously. A lot of people think, oh, I got all kinds of friends. But oftentimes when you need those people to be there in your life, where are they? You can't even find them, right? I call them nachos. You know what I'm saying? They not your friend. They not your friend. I promise you, there are some people who say, oh, I'll be there for you. But when you need them, they're not there. Now, they expect you to be there for them, but they're not going to be there for you. It's in difficult times where you find out who you can depend on, right? And I want you to know that it's in difficult times. It's in the valley where you realize that you can depend on God. You can trust in God. It's in the valley where God seeks to teach you and me that we are not alone. And I need you to know that you're going to have some valley situations in your life. I guarantee But let me show you something that the Bible says. It's in Psalm 84. If you got your Bible and you want to turn there, if you don't have a Bible, we'd be glad to give you a Bible. You can stop by our resource center on your way out and we'll give you one free of charge. You can take it home. But in Psalm 84, starting in verse 5, here's what the Bible says. It says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also Cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Now, 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 what is the valley of Baca? What is that? The valley of Baca was most likely referring to a tree that has a very similar spelling. And, and what would happen is this, this tree, this tree would ooze sap. And so when people looked at this tree, it looked as if the tree was weeping. It, it looked as if the tree was crying and so it was sometimes translated as the valley of tears or the valley of weeping and anytime you see a valley in the bible what you need to understand is that it is being symbolic of a very dangerous place very dangerous place usually there were thorns in the valley valley there would be wild animals in the valley there would be thieves waiting in the valley for you to travel through so that they could attack you and take what it was that you had it was a very dangerous place in fact it wasn't very often that you made it through a valley without something very difficult or bad happening and so that verse in verse 6 what it says is blessed are those whose strength is in you Now, that you is not referring to you. It's not referring 
to me, it's talking about something else. It doesn't say blessed are those who make it on their own. It doesn't say blessed are those who fend for themselves. That, that's not what, what it's saying. See, see, we kind of we idolize this spirit of independence. We like to think, man, I can make it on my own. I don't, I don't need anybody in, in, in my life. You know what I mean? Think about kids. Kids, we're kind of growing up wanting to be independent. There's like a, like a child. You know, you can help a child dress themselves, and you can help them brush their hair and brush their teeth for a little while, right? But there comes a point in their life where they say, quit! I'll do it on my own. Anybody, you know what I'm talking about? If your kid is really old and you're still doing that for them, that's a problem. It's a problem. But you've seen parents, again, who try to do things for their kids, and their kids will just throw a fit, like, let me do it, like, like eating, right? right? They want to do it by themselves. Lawson Cruz, he's 16-month-old. My son, he's 16-month-old. And so, man, he's at that age where he wants to eat by himself. The problem is he's terrible at it. He, he really is. He, he is terrible at it. And so we'll try, to, we'll try to feed him, and he's like, stop it. Stop it. He says, stop it. He's saying, stop it. I'll do it. And so the other day we went to Nukes and we got him some macaroni. You know what I'm saying? And we're trying to feed him. We're cutting it up. And he's like, stop it. And so we're like, okay, here, fine. You, you know, you get mad. Here, you do it. Well, he's terrible. Like, like for real. He, he got macaroni and cheese in his head, on his hair. How does that happen? An even better question than how do you get macaroni in your hair is how do you get macaroni and cheese in your diaper? And I know some of y'all are saying, well, Robert, it processes, it goes through the digestive tract. This did not happen that way, I promise you, because this macaroni and cheese was not processed. In fact, it was in the wrong place for it to have been processed. How in the world does that happen? But again, we idolize this spirit of independence. I don't need anybody. I don't want to have to depend on anybody. I, I want to be good completely on my own. I don't need people. There are even people who say, I don't, need, I don't need God. I don't need anybody. The problem is we, were, we weren't created to be independent. We weren't. You are not a dependent being or an independent being. I'm sorry. You're not an independent being. You need air, right? You need water. You need food. You, you are not created to be independent and able to be all alone and by yourself. Think about all the way back in the garden. God looked at Adam who was by himself and what did he say? It's not good for man to be alone. We, we are not independent. We need each other and we definitely need God. You need God. I need God. And so this Bible basically the Bible basically says, hey, Blessed are you when you realize you are not independent and you can actually depend on something, someone who has more power than you. We need the presence of God. I need the presence of God. Blessed are those whose strength is found in you, Lord, in you, God. The New Living Translation of this verse in verse 5 says this, What joy for those whose strength come from God. What joy? It is a joy to realize, you know what? I got God on my side. It is a joy. It brings joy to your heart to realize, hey, you know what? I can depend on Him. What joy for those whose strength comes 
from the Lord. And it goes on to say, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Man, that's powerful. See, a lot of times we read things in the Bible, we just kind of read over it and we don't really give it much thought. But what does that mean, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? What does that mean? It means that we may be in a valley right now, but we're going to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was known as the city of refuge. It was known as the place of peace. One commentary said to get to the city of refuge, you, you had to walk through the valley of tears. I, I, like, I like that. Because sometimes to get to where you really appreciate the presence of God, you got to walk through a little pain. Sometimes to get to the point to where you really, really experience the goodness of God. you got to walk through a little bit of pain. So that verse, it says, again, what joy for those whose strength is found in God. Then it says, who set their minds. Everybody say, my mind is set. Man, that was terrible. Say it again. My mind is set. Say it like you mean it. My mind is set. My, my, my mind is set. Listen to me. Blessed are those who have their minds set toward God. Listen to me. It, it matters what you think about so much. It matters what you think about more than you can possibly imagine. What you think about is so important. It's so important that Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. It says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. He goes on to tell us in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think about such Things, folks, listen to me. Man, where you are is one thing. But what you think about is a completely different thing. For example, the other night, the other night, man, I, I couldn't hardly sleep. Couldn't hardly sleep Thursday night. Why? Because the Cowboys beat my, beat my saints. Couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep, man. I laid in bed thinking, the NFL is rigged. Watching the game was almost worse than watching an Alabama football game. You know what I mean? Officials just missed so many calls, just basically give them the game. Right? Amen. There's some Christians here today. It's like the officials were just like, Hey, you that, you that going to beat the saints. Here, we're going to give it to you. Them boys, quit playing. I'm laying in bed, tossing and turning. And the man is like, Robert, stop thinking about the game. Go to bed. It's just a game. I'm like, Buddha, baby, Buddha. <laughs> Who that for life, man? I couldn't sleep. She just rolls over and goes back to bed. I couldn't sleep because what I'm thinking about. I'm telling you what you think about matters. And somebody here, man, you need to he hear this, man. Your current situation, it may be a, val a, a valley, 
But you can still set your mind on the things of God. Your heart might be racing right now, but you can set your mind on God. Your, your emotions might be like a roller coaster up and down, but you can still set your mind on God. You may be experiencing real tragedies in life, but you can still set your mind on God and the things of God. Why? Because He is with us. He's with you. He's with me. He is here and greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. I'm telling you, I may be in a valley, but I have set my mind on God and the things of God. I'm on a pilgrimage. I'm going to the place of peace. And look, I, man, I love this. You got to see verse 6. Look at what it says again. Unbelievable. It says, when they walk through the valley of Baca. When they walk through the valley of Baca, man, I love, I love, I love that. See, in other words, what's happening is that I may be in a valley right now, but I'm just passing through. I, I may be in a valley right now, but this isn't my home. This isn't where I'm staying. This isn't where I'm camping out. I'm just passing through. I don't live here. I'm just passing through. I know far too many people in life who get to the valleys of life and they just stay there. Just gonna be here. Just gonna, man, I'm just passing through. Bro, I ain't trying to stay in a valley. I'm just passing through. You need to tell your neighbor, man, I'm just passing through. I'm not staying here. I'm just passing through. David said something real similar to this in Psalm 23. He said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me me again i may be in the valley but i'm just passing through I, I, it may be a little difficult right now but but my god's gonna get me through i may be hurting right now but i'm not gonna be hurting forever because my god is going to pull me through i'm just passing through the valley of baca sometimes when we're in the middle of the valley though all we want to do is pray god get me out of here make it stop Make it stop. Get me, get me out of here. What you have to realize is that oftentimes God's, God shows us that really the way out of the problem is through it. The way out of the problem is, is through it. Oftentimes the path to peace really is through the valley. And I love what happens in verse 6. It says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. Now how in the world do they make it a place of springs. How, how, how do they do that? A place where they're able to get, to get water. The King James Version of this verse says that they dig a well. You know how you make a well? You dig it. You, 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 you dig it. You, you take and you clear away an area. You take and you clear away an area and you begin to make basically a container, a container, a little hole. You, you make a container that is there that's prepared for the provision that God is going to send. Again, it hasn't rained yet. It hasn't rained yet, but when you're dry and you're hurting, you don't just do nothing. You make room for the presence and provision of God in your life. You make a well. You make a well. You say, I know it's not good 
right now, but I believe in faith. What Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, and it says, And we know that in all things God works the good, the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I know God is going to work this out for good, so I'm making a well. I'm getting prepared. I'm convinced that many times in our life, God looks at us and says, Look, if you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. If you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. That's why we have to make room for what we believe God is going to do. We dig a well. If you dig a well, God will fill it. If you prepare, God will show up. Jesus apparently had the same kind of philosophy in his life when he lived on this earth. You know what I mean? In the New Testament, there's this guy that's got a, a withered up hand, a withered up hand. And so he, he goes to Jesus. Jesus actually comes to him. And Jesus doesn't just say, okay, man, you're healed. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, hey, you know what? Jesus says, hey, extend, extend your hand. Stretch out your hand and I will heal it. He was basically saying, you show me that you believe I can do it, and I will do it. There was another uh, opportunity, another chance, where this man was not able to walk for 38 years, and Jesus could have just said, hey, man, get up. You know what I'm saying? But Jesus didn't say that. He said, you know what? You take up your mat, and you rise up again. You show me that you believe I can do this, and I will do it. If you show me your faith, I'll show you my faithfulness. Man, I can't help but believe that there's somebody here. And you think, you think you're waiting on God. But God is waiting on you to show him your faith. You show him your faith, and he will show you his faithfulness. If you prepare, God will reveal himself. The scripture teaches this over and over and over and over again. If you draw near to God, what will he do? He'll draw near to you, you got to have faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says that it is impossible to please God without faith. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists, must believe, have faith, and believe basically that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Again, there's somebody here, maybe a few of you haven't felt the presence of God in your life in some time. It's time to dig a well. It's time to, to dig a ditch. It's time to say, God, I'm, I'm going to stop just camping here in this valley. And instead, I'm going to make provision for what you are about to do in my life. Why? Because you're already here, God. You are with me. David again said, when I'm walking through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. See, folks, like it or not, valleys and storms, man, sometimes... Sometimes they're a gift to you and a gift to me from God. They really are. I'll prove it to you. In Matthew's gospel, you can read about this event where Jesus feeds 5,000 men. It could have been as many as 10,000 people or 20,000 people if you include the women and children. But what happens is Jesus feeds these, these, this, this crowd, the multitude. He feeds the crowd with five loaves of bread and two fish. And... And th these aren't like huge marlins or huge catfish or whatever it is that you have in your mind when you think about a huge fish. These are like dried sardines. And the bread, the bread wasn't like loaves of bread you might pick up at Kroger or Walmart. These were like dried out crackers. This was basically the meal 
of a poor person. And the disciples are like, Jesus, this is all we got. Some little boy brought this up here to us, but we didn't have the heart to tell him this isn't going to do anything, son. So, so, so why don't you just send everybody away and tell them to get their own food? But Jesus doesn't do that. He gives thanks. And he says, somebody had faith. This little boy had faith that this lunch, his lunch, would feed the multitudes. And so I'm going to show him my faithfulness. He gives thanks and he passes the food out to the disciples, man. And the disciples start distributing food. And look at what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14, verse 20. It says, they all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. They ate and were satisfied. Again, 5,000, 10,000, maybe 20,000 people ate and were satisfied. Man, they were full. It was like they had just had Thanksgiving meal. You know what I mean? Some of the men were loosening up their belts. And, oh, man, that was good. Stick a fork in it. I am done. You know what I'm saying? Man, they, they were blessed. They were having this mountaintop experience. But look at verse 22. The same chapter, immediately after that, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now, according to that verse, who made the disciples get into the boat? Jesus. Jesus made them get into the boat. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is God. Some of you are like, I don't know about that. If you read John chapter 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It goes on to say, hey, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is God. Son of God, second member of the Trinity, right? So he's God. So Jesus knows all things. Jesus knows where he's sending the disciples. And, and, and Jesus knows what's going to happen to the disciples when he sends them there. And so if you read the story, what you're going to find out is that Jesus sends the disciples right into trouble. It's a storm. It's trouble, and the disciples are freaking out. They're thinking they're going to they're gonna die, man. They're thinking it's, it's over for them. But then they look out, and what do they see? See Jesus walking in the middle of all those waves, walking in the middle of that trouble with them, with them. He's with them, just like he's with us in the valley. And he's walking on the water towards them, and he gets in the boat. He gets in the boat, and when he does, the wind ceases. And you've got you to see, you see what happens. Verse 32 of Matthew chapter 14 says, And when they climbed into the boat, this is Jesus and Peter, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What did they say? Truly, you are the Son of God. How did they get to that revelation? It was because of the trouble that he had just delivered them from. Right? Had they stayed on the, the side of, of, of the beach just basically picking pieces of fish and cracker out of their mouth with a toothpick, they would have missed the real character and the real nature of who Jesus was. They would have missed seeing Jesus for who he really was. But they would have missed Jesus actually bringing real peace into their life. See, I'm wrapping up. But this is, this is the thing that I know. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that God is with us in the valley. That He's here. Because I've been through some valleys. I've been through some valleys that scared me to death. That's why I love Psalm 23 so much. See, when you think about Psalm 23, you think about a psalm that's read at a lot of funerals. And there's nothing wrong with that. But verse 4 of Psalm 23 really is my favorite. And it's not because a 90s rapper threw it into his gangster's paradise hit. Every time I hear that song, it reminds me of this. Look at the situation. I'm sorry. But I love this, I love this verse. Here's what he says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. So David is walking through a valley. And, and what kind of valley is it? It's the valley of the shadow of death. A shadow. Now, how many of you have, have ever been afraid of a shadow? Anybody? Maybe it's bad weather or it's nighttime. There might be a tree outside of your window and the moonlight or the street light might cast a shadow into your room. You get a little scared when that happens at the house. I always snuggle up a little closer to Amanda. Don't tell my kids, right? But a shadow, let's be real. Can a shadow hurt you? No. A shadow might intimidate you. A, sh a shadow might try to scare you, but a shadow can't do anything to really hurt you. Well, so what David is saying here is I'm not afraid when I walk through this valley, this dark valley that's trying to scare me that's trying to intimidate me, that's trying to worry me. I'm not afraid because God is with me. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what type valley you're in right now, no matter what type valley you are heading towards, God is with you. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be worried because God is with you. You keep operating by faith, you keep preparing for his presence and his provision because he is a rewarder of those who believe. It's impossible to please God without faith. If you're in the valley, you need to declare today that I'm just passing through. I'm not in the valley to stay. This is not where I live. I'm passing through. I'm not alone. God is with me. I'm putting my hope in his strength. So that I can move from strength to strength. When, 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 I feel, when, I, when I feel like it's dark around me, He is my light. He's my hope in my despair. He's my healer in sickness. He is my God and He is good all the time. Do you really believe that? He's with you in the valley. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. 
I know oftentimes in life we, we put on a good front. We, we try to make people feel like everything's fine, everything's okay. We don't need them. We don't need God. Or maybe you're here today and you are in a valley and you're hurting. You'd say, Robert, that's me. Would you just pray for me? I'm going to ask that you lift your hand. Amen. Amen. Father, we want to lift up these who, who really do feel like they're in a valley. My prayer for them is that they would realize that you are here. You're with them. Father, overwhelm them with your presence. Give them peace. Give them comfort. Give them hope. As we continue to pray, maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ. Well, I want you to know that you're not here by accident. He brought you here because He is here. He brought you here to call you to Himself. And if you'd say today, man, I need to be saved so that I can have a strength beyond my own. I need to be saved. I need to give my heart and my life to Him. So that I really can. So that I really can have joy. Even in the midst of all this turmoil that I'm facing. If that's you, you know you want to be saved. I'm going to ask that you pray. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my heart and change me today. I surrender to you. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Savior. May I walk in newness of life from this day forward. Thank you, Jesus. Again, we're continuing to pray. But if you pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I'm going to ask that you do me a favor. Again, nobody's looking around. It's just me. But if you pray to receive Jesus, would you just lift your hand up so that I can know that Jesus is moving, Jesus is here. Amen, Father. Amen. Father, I just thank you for new life. Father, I thank you that you are here. I pray that we would realize that each and every day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.